I believe in the Church of Baseball. I've tried all the major religions and most of the minor ones. I've worshipped Buddha, Allah, Brahma, Vishnu, Siva, trees, mushrooms, and Isidore Duncan. I know things. For instance, there are 108 beads in a Catholic rosary and there are 108 stitches in a baseball. When I learned that, I gave Jesus a chance. But it just didn't work out between us. The Lord laid too much guilt on me. I've tried them all I really have, and the only church that truly feeds the soul day in, day out, is the Church of Baseball. Hey everyone, welcome to The Boot! That's right, it's The Boot! We're recasting classic movie reboots. So Hollywood doesn't have to do it. I don't have anything anymore. We're 32 episodes in. And we don't have anything to say. And run out. I think maybe we should encourage Hollywood to remake Kevin Costner movies. There's so many great ones. lots of them. Yes. Just take your pick. Guys, I'm Brian Flynn and on the mound, shaking off my pitch signs. It's Kenna Trent. Kenna, how are you? I'm okay. I'm excited to be doing another Kevin Costner classic. I don't know how I feel about this movie. Okay. I'm not as excited about it as I was for Waterworlds. All right. Well, we'll get into it. Guys, this is week two of Kevin Costner month where we will be talking about the 1988 sports comedy Bull Durham starring Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, Tim Robbins, Trey Wilson, and Robert Wool. Um, And I know that you guys might be thinking like, wait, you're doing a Kevin Costner movie. And you had the opportunity to do a Kevin Costner baseball movie, and, we and you didn't, didn't do Field, Field of, of Dreams. Dreams. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Honestly, because Field of Dreams is a good movie, but it's not, and <laughs> it's not an interesting movie. It's kind of, it's kind of boring. We've picked, we picked a good slate that worked well together. Just yeah. trust us. Trust yeah, yeah, our yeah, judgment. Yeah. So Ken and I are going to be picking our top five favorite characters, favorite characters, top five characters of Bull Durham and rebooting it as if this movie was to be made today. But before we get into that, we got some real reboot news. The realist. Actually, what we have first is a rumor, mm. a rumor, as oh. they say in my home state. A rumor. Zen- a Roomba. <laughs> Cue that Lindsay Lohan song. I'm 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 in the outfield. I have no idea what's going on right now. Okay. It's a little inside baseball for millennial girls. Zendaya offered the role of Ariel in Disney's live action The Little Mermaid. Walt Disney Studios has found much success with their live action adaptations of their classic animated films grossing over 4.5 billion with a B at the worldwide box office with a B.O. So it should come as no surprise that Disney is hard at work on a live action adaptation of The Little Mermaid. As memorable as the characters are from the animated film, Disney may be going a new route with the new film and casting a woman of color in the lead role. We have heard from someone close to the studio that ex-Disney Channel star Zendaya has been offered the leading role of Ariel. The news would likely mean that the role of King Triton would also go to an actor of color. Alan Menken and Lin-Manuel Miranda will team up to compose the music for the film as well as add new songs to the film. Okay, Brian, we're going to go back to like week three when we had a big debate about how to pronounce her name. Zendaya. It's definitely Zendaya. Did I send Zendaya through this whole thing? Yeah, you did. Well, I'm sticking to my guns. (laughs) So Zendaya Mm -hmm. as Ariel. Yeah. Kind of what do you think? I think it's a good choice. 
I'm not mad at this choice. It's definitely the least traditional for their live action remakes, but I think it's also the perfect opportunity to branch out and do something a little different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'd be excited to see her. I enjoy watching Zendaya. Yeah, again, this is just a rumor, although I would put $100 down that Lin-Manuel Miranda is Sebastian. Under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day. Out in the sun, they slave away. While we devoting full time floating under the sea. <laughs> what a gift we've been given with Lin Manuel Miranda. The fact that we're like we're remaking all of these Disney classics, and we have him to work with the original composers of these Disney classics to create new music. Like it is, it's a perfect storm. I think with him on board, this is like a grand slam, yeah, slam dunk rocket ship to but uh, also blockbuster I just success. Wonder because like adding new music to anything is dangerous yeah. especially when like the music of the little mermaid is so good it would sort of be like taking born to run and being like here's six new songs yeah it's odd it's a little odd let's talk about the story of little mermaid though because as someone who watches it more than he thought he ever would in his <laughs> life the animated version is problematic to say the least so it's about a mermaid who makes a deal with a sea witch to give up her beautiful voice so that she can get legs to walk on land. To? To marry a prince. So when we boil it down, it's literally a woman gives up her voice to be, to be with a, a wife. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to imagine how they would shuffle this story around and it's a little difficult. Because there's so many key elements that are problematic but important to the story. Maybe they'll just like call it out instead of making it seem like like a perfect romance. Yeah. They'll just approach it from more of like, we get it. There's something off about this. I think an easier fix is like, it's less about a story about a girl who gives up her precious gift. Why did I say it like that? (laughs) (laughs) Start over. To give to a man. Nope, we're in it. So good. But more like a a girl who leaves her family and the world she knows to Mm -hmm. explore new things and like be a part of uh, like the surface world. And then realizes it's not everything that she wants it to be. And then ends up, it's like, hey, maybe we can live in sort of these two worlds. Maybe that's a better vehicle for The Little Mermaid than... Maybe the new maybe the new song they put in is called Part of Our World. <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda, give me a call. I think I'm on to something. All right. What's next? We got another rumor. God. Rumor alert. This is a rumor mill. Rumor, Texas Chainsaw Massacre TV series and new film in the works. The franchise for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre could be getting a new lease on life as talks are reportedly ongoing for the production of further movies and a TV series. Rights for the Texas Chainsaw brand recently reverted to Kim Hinkle, who was the writer and producer on the original 1970s horror movie. According to sources, this has caused studios to bid for future projects with a number of them interested in producing not only further films, but an ongoing TV series as well. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre was released in 1974, and despite controversy during the following years, the Tobey Hooper film is rightly now considered to be a classic of the genre and appears in countless best horror movie listings. It depicts the crimes of a Animalistic family who prey on unsuspecting tourists in rural Texas. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think I've seen this and the early aughts remake with Jessica, Jessica Biel. Biel. Which is, by all accounts, a wonderful remake. Oh, 
motherfucker! Get on the fucking floor! What are you gonna do? Shoot me! Morgan. Oh my god, Morgan! You lying fuck! You could kill me right now. Get out of here, Scott Free. Good. You put the gun down, Morgan. Shoot him! Don't fucking do it, please! You don't have the fucking balls, do you? Don't shoot him! I think what's most interesting about this rumor is the TV series. Yeah. So like, what is it like going to be about the family? Is it going to be about the victims? How do you make a TV show about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre while also making like a movie that will precede it? I feel like you could go in a lot of different directions. The movie's... it's one of those series that has never fully ended. Like there was one that came out last year. And so it's difficult to be like, yeah, let's get a fresh start for the movies. Cause I'm just not sure we need that. A TV show is a refreshing idea though. Yeah. It'd actually be a really interesting, uh, not anthology series, but just considering there are so many versions of this where like, if you never kill some of the main players, like, and people just keep finding their way onto this, like, scary property yeah yeah we could just have lots of carnage maybe the tv show version is like at the end of the season weatherface finishes his like skin suit and then he puts it on and he goes out in public and he and buffalo bill they fall in love. also based on ed gein yeah a real life person um well i i'm I, I wouldn't say i'm excited to see it but i'm curious to see what they yeah do. i'd be very curious to see what they create out of this especially since the rights the war on on who has the right to make a lot of these classic horror properties has been raging for a while so yeah. what we end up with could be really cool or it could be crap okay let's move on to sherlock holmes jude law drops sherlock holmes three story hint With Jude Law reprising his role as Dr. Watson in the Sherlock Holmes movie franchise, what's the third film in the series going to be about? When EW interviewed Law about his take on another iconic British literary character, Albus Dumbledore, we also threw in a couple questions about his upcoming projects. The first was about his role in Captain Marvel, and the second was about Sherlock Holmes 3, which reunites Law and Robert Downey Jr. for an all-new tale for the first time since 2011's Game of Shadows. So what can he tell us about the story? Quote, We hope to propel the story forward, Law teases. As always, the essence of the story is their codependency. We're going to examine, since it's been several years since we've seen them, we're going to play up the fact that they haven't seen each other for a long time either, end quote. That's the the hint he gave us. (laughs) I appreciate that our new segment has essentially just become reboot news and also just things that we want to talk about. Yeah, Jude Law is essentially... Oh, well, it would definitely be about how we haven't made one in a decade. It's been seven years since the last Sherlock Holmes movie came out. I can. I, what's weird is I don't remember watching either of these two Sherlock Holmes movies. Really? I think I saw the first one. What's the one where he like does Jeet Kune Do in a fight ring? I think that's the first one. In summary, ears ringing, jaw fractured, three ribs cracked, four broken, diaphragm hemorrhaging. Physical recovery, six weeks. Full psychological recovery, six months. Capacity to spit it back of head. Neutralized. They shouldn't have stopped making them because then Guy Ritchie wouldn't have had to go make King Arthur. Oof. Like they should, he should have just like dove back into. Which, which sequel do you desperately wish they made? Sherlock Holmes 3 or National Treasure 3? <sighs> National Treasure 3. Yeah, National Treasure 3. Okay, I think that, I think that our big point is clear. We love Jude Law. I, until I started making this podcast, didn't realize how much I love Jude Law. And we just can't wait to see him do everything. 
Is there just anything Jude Law can't do? I would like to see him in like an an indie movie. But maybe he makes them all the time and I'm just not watching them. Like if he was in like Black Klansman, I'd be like, oh my God. He doesn't. But I feel like he's busy making blockbusters. Like he doesn't have time. To yeah, do he movies. doesn't. All right. Uh, let's get into the reboot of Bull Durham. But before we can, we have to we got to tell you the rules. Just like any great game, any great, beautiful, beautiful game. The rules. This is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb. We may talk about some people you've never heard of and you're going to look them up. Those were all separate words. We will be talking about a movie that you may not have seen. So if you haven't seen it, pause us right now. It's on Hulu. Go watch it and then come back. Now to the rules. Rule number one, no remakes, reboots, or long lost sequels. We can't do a movie that has already been redone in the last 20 years. This includes franchises like Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Texas, Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw Massacre. Massacre. That popped back up with sequels. Just all the darn time. Rule number two, no imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today. Rule number three, no Tinder casting. We can't cast someone just based on how they look. You have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. Again, Brian, no casting hottie McDotties like one Mr. Kevin Costner. I only casted Uggos. <laughs> okay, guys, let's get into the reboot of Bull Durham. After 12 years in the minor leagues, I don't try out. Besides, uh, I don't believe in quantum physics when it comes to matters of the heart. What do you believe in then? Well, I believe in the soul. The cock, the pussy, the small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, that the novels of Susan Sontag are self-indulgent, overrated crap. I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. I believe in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days. Oh my. Bull Durham, directed by Ron Shelton director of such great sports movies as White Men Can't Jump and Tin Cup, also starring our boy, KC. KC. Bull Durham stars Kevin Costner as Crash Davis, Susan Sarandon as Annie Savoy. Savoy. Tim Robbins as Ebby Calvin Nuke, Lelouch, Trey Wilson as Skip, and Robert Wool as Larry, the sort of manager and co-manager of the Durham wow. Bulls. Why don't you talk about this movie? Because I really enjoyed <laughs> this movie and you seem to have had reservations about it. I think it's just I, I have trouble connecting with uh, the idea. It's it's interesting because I was reading the trivia and it talks about how the reason Susan Strandon's character's name is Annie is because I guess the Annie is yeah. a term for like a baseball groupie. Yeah. Which she says up front, like she picks a project every year. And there's – what does she say? Like there's no man that's ever slept with me that hasn't had the best season of his life. And so it, I just – I think there's something interesting about that, that it was it was a difficult entry point for me because I was like, I don't know how I feel about this as a device into the world. Um, well, how do you feel about that like these kind of groupies exist? Like the, this is this is something that happens in sports a lot and it's also yeah. with like music and film like – I mean, it's fascinating so did, because you think about how she's been with the Durham Bulls for, I don't know, 20, uh, 10 20, years yeah. at least. Yeah. And how many seasons has she gone through with these guys? It just it's such an interesting way to uh, I don't know. It's just such an interesting characterization. Yeah. Um, um, I almost feel like we should start with Annie because this story is told 
through her perspective. She's sort of the narrator? She is the narrator, but as soon as our boy KC shows up, as soon as Crash shows up, Mm -hmm. essentially he takes over the story because the story is about him sort of mentoring Nuke Mm -hmm. um, to prep him for the big leagues, for the major leagues, while he kind of languishes in the minors forever essentially i asked you i was like this movie is about nothing and you tried to explain to me what you thought this movie is about the movie is essentially about how they get a wild pitcher who has a good arm but no control and kevin costner shows up and they decide to sort of like keep him on and use him because they know he's gonna help their pitcher out why the hell am i back in a ball because of ebby calvin lelouch he's got the best young arm i've seen in 30 years We want you to mature the kid. We want you to room with him on the road, stay on his case all year. He can go all the way. Where can I go? It's about their relationship with each other and with Annie. But there's just a lot that didn't make sense to me. Like when we, after their first uh, practice with Crash and then they end up, or the first game, and they end up at the bar with Annie who like invites them home and lays out her like plan. And then Kevin Costner gets up and leaves and he says, I don't believe in quantum physics when it comes to matters of the heart. I was like, who is this guy? How I perceived it was it's essentially here is the baseball romantic Mm -hmm. equal to Annie. Annie is a baseball romantic. She finds the poetry between the lines. She finds every pitch to be as beautiful as the next. Mm -hmm. And here comes Crash kind of telling his worldview to her, which is a simplified black and white baseball point of view, which in that moment she kind of falls in love with him. Yeah. But I understand where like the confusion kind of comes in because it's like what – uh, like there's a lot of like weird lack of self-respect in that scene. It's like w- what two guys would go to a woman's house and just sort of sit there and let her choose between them. But also what kind of woman would just, I don't know, offer herself up to almost an entire team of people as almost like this mystical guru. It kind of feels yeah. strange, but there is sort of a great character moment where it's like, she's there for a reason. She's not really there for sex, but she is a little bit. She is a little bit like uh, this might sound offensive, but I'm not exactly sure how this is going to play. But I can't believe I'm going to say this, but like ancient Greece. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's sort of like the temples to the gods. There were like priestesses, right? Uh That would sort of like be at the temple and like Mm -hmm. worship and pay homage to their deity. And I I sort of like Annie is a priestess of baseball. Mm Mm-hmm. Sex to her isn't a negative. She enjoys it. She likes it. Um, She knows that it's a way to help these players get to where they need to go to serve the greater good of the game. Whether you believe that that's good for them or not, it's, you know, that's up to you. But I, that's sort of what I was reading. Well, what's, what's odd to me is that I feel like she, because here's the thing by the middle of the movie, when Nuke is on a winning streak and he says he's not going to have sex until he loses again, she is starts to get lonely. And that's when you realize, like, for her, she is entering into however short or long these relationships may be under the guise that she can somehow help them. Yeah. When really, I just kind of want to be like, 
Annie, if you just want to like pick a project every year and sleep with a baseball player, sleep with a baseball player. Like he calls, uh, Kevin Costner calls her at one point, like you're a patron saint. Like you don't have to be like that. Yeah. You can just kind of do what you're doing if that's what you want to do. Because if the roles were switched, I don't think people would be upset if a man was just like, yeah, every year I'm sleeping with a new girl. Like every year I go to the softball fields and I. <laughs> Pick out that one. So player. I kind of just, a uh, part of me just was that to does be like, sound a little crazy and weird. Like, like you don't have, it doesn't have to be. She does end up helping Nuke, but at the same time, when you're looking at it, you're like, who's helping him more? Crash is also disciplining him on the field. Relax, all right. Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascists. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. Okay, so let's get into it. Do you want to go first? Who's, who's, yeah, who I'll, goes first? I'll go first. Okay. So I was thinking about Crash in a way that Costner really de- delivers well. Like in all of his lacking traits in Waterworld, mm-hmm. I thought he showed up with spades in Bull yeah. Durham. Yeah. He's funny. He's mean. He's charismatic. We get exactly the kind of person he is. The minute he shows up, they're like, who are you? And he says... I'm the player to be named later. Like you, you realize that he's Mm -hmm. such a person to be dismissed by this game that he's still willing to kind of come into this minor league ball club and do the shit job. It's perfectly encapsulated when nuke finds out he's going to the show and he goes to find crash in the bar and crash is drunk and he's like jealous. He's upset. It's just, he, he plays it so well because by the time he gets like punched out because he's just pushed it too far, he's like, which hand did you hit me with? Yeah. And he's still like giving him lessons because he's like, I'm aware that yeah. none of this is coming from me. It's coming from the fact that I'm drunk and jealous of what yeah. just happened to you. And so it it just plays so perfectly in the way that we got absolutely none of that joy and specificity in Waterworld. Yeah. So I had a very hard time picking uh, an actor for this. This is a tough one. I picked Josh Hartnett, who is way older than Costner was in this movie. Okay. But what I keyed in on him is Hartnett's career is so strange to me. He's a little washed up. And almost, yeah, exactly. It almost follows Crash's path where it's like, he Mm -hmm. could have been the next Tom Hanks. He could have been a Big, big megastar. But for some reason, he's not. For some reason, he's doing things like Penny Dreadful. Although he has this new movie out called Oh Lucy, which I didn't know about. And the trailer looks great. He plays an English teacher in Japan Mm -hmm. who takes on a student and then like disappears suddenly. And then his student goes goes to find him. And she goes – she comes to LA and they go and let's like – Why do I – why – I think I've seen this trailer before. I want to say it was like a thing – in the industry. I don't know, but I, I, I didn't see it until I was like looking up his name and, and it, that to me kind of spoke to crash. I was like, crash is someone who's like close to beating the minor league home run record. Mm -hmm. And that to me, like is the most quintessential crash thing is like, this is a guy who is so good at this level, but just not good enough at the next level. But he's been there. He knows what it's about. I looked up your records. You hit 227 home runs in the minors. That's not bad. Don't tell anybody. Why not? You hit 20 more this year, you're going to be the all-time minor league champ. The record's 246. Well, 247 home runs in the minor leagues would be a kind of dubious honor. I think it would be great. The sporting news should know about it. No, just no. Please. Yeah, I mean, I think you're. I think you're kind of right. Like he, in the early aughts, Josh Hartnett was coming up. 
Black Hawk Down, Pearl Harbor. The Faculty. The Faculty. I mean, yeah, like, so his, like, teen heartthrob movies, like, O and, do you remember O? I do remember (laughs) O. Shout out Mackay Pfeiffer. I was going to say, a take on Othello uh, for the teens. Um, Yeah, that's an interesting take, like, picking someone who, when we see them, we'll think, where was, where has Josh Hartnett been? Yeah. Like we will feel the washed upness yeah. just in his presence. And I know he's a lot older than Kevin Costner, but I kind of like that because I still think he looks young enough where if you saw him on screen, you'd be like, how old is this guy supposed to be? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because when I think that was the most shocking thing to look up is that Tim Robbins is 30 years old. Yeah. And his much older, wiser mentor mentor is 33. Yeah. And then Susan Sarandon's 42. Yeah. I mean, it all works. But um, – yeah, I think that's a that's a really good choice. There's something that makes me think he would settle into this yeah. part really well. Uh, I on. picked somebody very different. <laughs> I'm very excited. Uh, I also went for an older actor mm-hmm. because I think I got the vibe that ultimately I just wanted to create more distance between Crash and Nuke mm-hmm. and even Annie as well. And yeah, I... <laughs> Come on. Let's get weird with it. It's Costner month. Okay. So I'm, I picked an actor I've picked before and I'm a little shocked I haven't picked before this moment. Uh, and I'll probably pick him again because he deserves to be in everything. I picked Oscar Isaac. Cue the Oscar Isaac horn. (laughs) Happy beats here, buddy. Come on. So here's my thinking about this. I love Oscar Isaac. He is charismatic, charming, funny, Uh a great actor. He's got a sort of look about him that makes you think, how old is this guy? And he's still sort of in the prime of his life. So, like, you expect him to be out, like, hitting homers. Yeah. I liked him for this. Yeah. I thought about him, too. And and what I also liked about him is, like, he is more reflective of the game of baseball today. Like, a lot more South Americans, Central mm-hmm. Americans, Latin mm-hmm. Americans uh, in the game. Again, the reason we have the Oscar Isaac rule is because I would pick Oscar Isaac every week for pretty much every role. But we can only do it, what, four, four times, times a year? A year. But you got a fifth one in uh, early on because we... Because we made the rule because I picked him. <laughs> And we have a shared love for him. So Which, I, th- I think we're now both tied for three for the remainder of the year. Yeah. So uh, we got 20 more weeks in the year. So maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Next year we should reduce it down to like three, three. probably. I'm actually going to try to fit him in three more times. Yeah. Now. I also think like what's really important about both Crash and Nuke is that it's very hard to ca- to pick actors that look like they could play a the, sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's really hard to cast baseball players. It's yeah. probably worse to cast like well, basketball but players. Baseball but. players like run the gamut. Like you could be anybody and play baseball, you know? Yeah, It'd there's be lots like an of, old like, fat pitcher or a really skinny pitcher. Dad bods and there are, but I mean, like the position of pitcher is the one that has the most variety of body types, uh-huh. but most of the infield and outfield it's like you have to be like a world-class athlete. Yeah. With like incredible hand-eye coordination. But it's like when you see someone on screen, you're like, you have to, like Kevin Costner played baseball. Yeah. Reading in the trivia that he was like, he like played baseball and would like, even when the cameras weren't on, he was like trying to like get people out. Yeah. Because he, it, he, he just liked playing so much. Yeah. So it's like when you see him on screen, you're like, this guy knows 
what to do. And like it, it's 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 not easy to give that to a person if they don't have it. If they don't like the game or they don't know how to play, it, it really reads. So there's also something so specific about I, I think the times I enjoyed him the most in the movie were when he's trying to teach nuke specific lessons from behind the plate. And so all the moments where he sort of like throws his helmet off and is like, okay. Well, he really hit the shit out of that one, didn't he? <laughs> Held it like an egg. Yeah, and he scrambled the son of a bitch. Look at that, he hit the fucking bull. Gotta get some free steak. God, sucker teed off in that like he knew I was gonna throw a fastball. He did know. Wow. I told him. All that stuff is just very indicative of who the player is. And so when I was thinking about who is that person who can deliver a sort of wisdom, but also like a biting in those moments of like, he's got to learn. Yeah, I, I think you have a great <clears throat> pick. Thank yeah. you. Let's move on to Annie. And we talked about her um, before. You, it's your turn, but okay. I'm just going to remember <laughs> that I have I have something specific to say about Annie. So. Oh, okay. Um, this is something I talk about with friends a lot. I really liked when I found out that Susan Sarandon was much older than her male. By much older, I mean like that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Like in this industry, it is completely normal for a 50-year-old actor a la Tom Cruise mm-hmm. to have a like 29-year-old. Yeah. Uh the for the female lead to be like 29 years old in, in his movie and that scene is very acceptable, but we rarely see movies where a much older actress is paired with a male lead who is younger than her. Yeah. And I don't know why not, because there's something very appealing and not in like a motherly way about just the way Susan Sarandon played the character and that she knew she knew herself and who she was supposed to be so well um, that it just didn't matter that she was sort of the what society would call like a cougar. Yeah. Reaching out to these younger players. Uh, And so I really leaned into it because I was like, I don't really care if my nuke is half the age of Annie because please tell me you cast Susan Sarandon again <laughs> because I was looking at it. I was like, she's my father's age and I would definitely date this woman. Like, um, uh, I did not pick Susan Sarandon, but I did pick an actress. I picked Jennifer Aniston. I'll just say it. And the reason I did is because first of all, she's still got it. She's 50 almost. Yeah. And she is gorgeous as ever. She's still really funny. She's still really interesting to watch. Like she builds a movie. People will come see a Jennifer Aniston movie. Um, and I, I really liked that she could still be this like mature woman uh, sort of courting these younger players because that's what she does. And like I was just imagining these sort of like steamy moments between Jennifer Aniston and Oscar Isaac. And I was like, that's OK. I'm not looking at this like eh, there's something off here. I I almost picked her, and I'll say this about Annie: she this character probably had more names on it than any character yes. I've I recast I because there were so, so many, many women. women. Mm-hmm. So there's a testament to the women in their 40s and 50s in Hollywood that it's like I would have you know it took me a long time to get to the person I cast, but Jennifer Aniston was definitely on that list. The the now I'm interested if who you chose is also on my list because I wrote tons of names. It, it down. might be, but I have a. It, I just noticed something of why the person that ended up on my list that who I picked. But she's definitely really sexy. She's definitely someone that like could you, like you could feel her be a part of this 
community, like this town mm-hmm. and this this league. Like everyone knows Annie. Everyone is like she's probably the most I mean, she's the most devoted fan. She sleeps with I mean, I don't know if that's like a criteria for most devoted fan, but you know, like she, she, like when she's helping Millie sew her wedding dress, like they're, they're not really paying attention to the wedding dress. They're paying attention to like the game. Like, yeah, she has all the runners, the little kids to like pass notes to the players. Like she's invested. And so she's so ingrained in the fabric of the Durham Bulls that it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see Jennifer Anderson kind of be that person. I want you to breathe through your eyelids. eyelids. Yeah. Like the lava lizards at the Galapagos Islands. See, there's some lizards that have Prada eye behind the head so they can see backwards. Haven't you ever noticed how Fernando Valls, well, he just doesn't even look when he pitches? He's a Mayan Indian. Or an Aztec, I forget which one. I get him confused. I picked my Annie first. Okay. And then I picked everyone around her. Then I picked Crash last. And I realized that my Crash and Annie are now the same age. I, th- I thought I was going to pick a crash and a nuke that were like 30 and 20 or like mid 20s and y- like younger 20s so that my okay. actress who's now 40 by comparison would be older. But I just I didn't have I didn't, it was an oversight. I picked Amy Adams and the red hair is a, just a coincidence, but she's just been crushing everything that she is in. She could play someone kind of sexual, but not so like I don't say overtly sexual like Susan Sarandon is. You're having a lot. You're not on board, but you can't deny she's not a great actress. Here's the thing. So I've been watching Sharp Objects, the show that Amy Adams is on. And honestly, after the very first episode, I was like, I think I just realized that I don't like Amy Adams. (laughs) No. First of all, I thought about her for 0.5 seconds for this part. And I decided against her because she did do that. um, Was it Clint Eastwood movie? About oh, what's wrong with the curve? Baseball. Yeah. But I think I just have trouble when I see Amy Adams on screen seeing her as the character. Okay. I like the entire time I was watching Sharp Objects, I was like, oh, there's Amy Adams acting. And it's just not – it's not my favorite thing to watch. See, I don't get that. I I, um, I see her – oh, this is the thing I wanted to say about Annie earlier is that I what I enjoyed about Annie is that she's a female character – who openly enjoys sex. Like she's a very sex positive character. Like she doesn't Mm -hmm. feel shame in it in any way, shape or form. And I think that that's really great because the sentence, the the sentence, the the line, the line she says to Millie after uh, Skip catches Nuke and Millie fucking in the bathroom stall. Yeah. Millie, you gotta stay out of the clubhouse. You're gonna get everybody in trouble. I got lured. You did not get lured. Women do not get lured. They are too strong and powerful for that. Now say it. I did not get lured. I accept full responsibility for my actions. I did not get lured. I accept full responsibility for my actions. That's better. And I thought that was really important. And I don't know if specifically Amy Adams was someone that I was like, oh, I think she could do this. But it was like, that's a role I think is important. So I wanted to give it to an actress who has a very high caliber ability to deliver it. To each his own. Chin chin. All right. <laughs> let's, wow. Okay. Uh, let's move on to Nuke. Nuke. Played by Tim Robbins. What a baby face Tim Robbins was. You know what I mean? He looked like he was 40, but it was like, he's yeah, so soft. In the- he's, yeah. 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 Which, it, it's interesting how he played this character because it was very, there were times when I was like, oh, he's like a, like a beach bum, like a surfer dude. Like that's yeah. what he's playing. But that wasn't it. I don't think. I kind of saw him as the beautiful idiot. Beautiful. 
say? Not beautiful in his physical appearance. I mean, beautiful <laughs> in the, his like lack of mental facilities. I don't. I don't think he plays himself to be the sort of lovable idiot. Like not the guy that it's like, hey, he just needs a little help because he's actively for the first part of the movie trying to. He will not listen to what uh, Crash says because he wants to be. He wants to throw fastballs. He wants to hit him yeah. with he, heat. he, heaters, heat. I Listen know to you sports. Try, <laughs> um, <laughs> Listening to you try and like pull sports terminology from the like the database in your brain <laughs> where you may have like picked some up here or there is so, so funny. Oh, the extent of my baseball knowledge is Angels in the Outfield and Rookie of the Year. So he might say, you want to hit him with that big stinky cheddar right um (laughs) um and and so i don't i just don't quite see him as like a a a beautiful idiot because i'm like no he's 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 fighting against it but he does get to a point where we find him quite likable because he realizes how much help he needs and yeah. he's he's buying into the breathing out of your eyelids and wearing the garters and listening to what crash says oh my god the scene where he's playing guitar in the bus is so funny where he keeps saying woolly will the woman feels woolly and crash is just like shut up also that was one of my favorite parts because uh when he's like what do you know about the show and kevin costner's like oh i've been to the show i was in the show for 21 days once <laughs> 21 greatest days of my life. We hit white balls for batting practice. All parks are like cathedrals. The hotels all have room service. The women all have long legs and brains. I was like, uh, guys. Well, I know that it's very funny, but like I think about me. I, this is a weird thing to say. I, I, anytime I think of baseball, I think of minor league players who do ride the bus and they're like edging towards – 30 maybe they're on the other side of 30 and like Mm -hmm. they have a family they have kids that they feed and they're still like maybe one day maybe one day and it's like as someone who lives in los angeles who works in the guys i work in the industry it's like yeah i get you man like this bus of guys would probably be like what's it like to play at dodger stadium what's it like to play at yankee stadium what's it like to play at fenway park but yeah it's it's so funny he's like yeah best 21 days of my life you're just like (laughs) 21 days um Um, yeah okay So I tried to find an actor who was young, cocky, okay. pretty. Okay. I couldn't find anybody that was at a certain level that Tim Robbins is. But then I looked at Tim Robbins' IMDb and it's it's kind of a weird IMDb. Like his filmography mm-hmm. is like really strange. All over the place. So I picked an actor named Ross Butler who was on 13 Reasons Why in Riverdale, two of my favorite shows. Um, <laughs> and he's this like really he, – he plays these like really – uh, arrogant athletes like uh and really in both like in Riverdale he plays a football player and then 13 reasons why I think he's either a f- another football player or maybe a basketball player mm-hmm. but um what I also liked about him despite the fact that I know he could play like arrogance and like he's kind of like new to the scene is that he's divert like he's Asian and I think that's like kind of a cool thing mm-hmm. to put in a baseball movie like we don't s- we don't see a lot of Asian baseball players in in movies like they're the percentage of Asian baseball players and MLB is so small just because of how the farm system works. But, um, hmm, which is odd because it's a very popular sport. Well, yeah, it, it all has to do with like socioeconomics, like people in Latin America, Central America, and like the Caribbean and the Dominican, like they're uh-huh. so poor 
that it's like the MLB will just be like, sign your life away and we'll give you five million dollars. Mm. And they're like, yeah. But then you go to Korea, Japan, China, and they're like – They have their own league. They have their own league. They yeah. all have managers. They all have agents. They're yeah. not coming from like you know, poverty. They're like all middle class. So the Major League Baseball is like less likely – to sign those guys because they'll demand more. So that's why they like exploit Latin America, South America for talent. Yeah. Asian countries have their own baseball leagues where weird horror movie villains will frequently appear to like throw out first oh pitches. It's my favorite kind of video on the <laughs> internet. So good. The, for the, like the Ringu. Samara from the ring to like pop out. And the and, cat like, boy. Chuck. Yeah. It's so I love that. I wish we did that in America. I went to a Taiwanese baseball game and it was one of the best sporting event experiences of my life but i can't it's literally like an hour-long story so i can't tell you what's going on okay um so that's who i picked i thought he was like a a great sort of like young fresh face who could kind of easily play that role of someone who has no idea what it's going to be like to be a professional baseball Mm -hmm. player uh yeah i can't say that i know him i don't think i've seen any of the stuff that he's been at but yeah Interesting, interesting choice. I'm getting an interesting, interesting but not that choice. kind of like, interesting. Because like, yeah, I just literally don't know. Yeah. Um, honestly, I looked up. Uh, I had kind of hoped that um, two of the very tall, good-looking men in the movie "To All the Boys I've Loved Before" on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it, but it not is yet. an absolute joy, and I can't wait to watch it again. I loved it so much, and they were very young, and I was very sad. Um, so I picked somebody else. Uh, <laughs> Guys, please go watch this movie. It is such an amazing piece of work. Good job, Netflix. I picked Evan Peters. Mm. And I had picked a few other options that were a tiny bit younger. And then I ultimately wanted to like age him up just a little bit, partially because there's something very boyish about Evan Peters. And like you could tell me he's 25 and I'd be like, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's probably true. But I like him for similar reasons that you like your pick and that I can see him being the sort of I can see him being cocky without reason. I can see him being a little bit obtuse and difficult, but being a lot of fun to watch when he gets the hang of things. That's hot. No, I mean it. That's very hot. And he says they'll keep one side of my brain occupied while I'm on the mound, thus keeping my brain slightly off center, which is where it should be for artists and pitchers. She also uh, she also said that I should throw whatever pitches you call for. And he's a very smart lady. The rose goes in the front, big guy. Because he's a funny guy. He's a yeah. funny actor. He's a good actor. Um, yeah, I like my choice. I think that's a really great choice. It, like he he strikes me as a, like a different kind of body type like a different kind of athlete that Tim mm-hmm. Robbins would be like Tim Robbins is this tall yeah, sort of muscular guy. Who's kind of what you want for a pitcher. But Evan Peters is sort of the smaller, more wiry guy, which lends like they're rare, but they, they happen. And when they happen, like they really have a special talent. So it's like, Oh, yeah. like when you see a small wiry guy on the mound, you're like, this guy probably has like some stuff. Yeah. Um, and he is kind of wild. He is kind of like a little unpredictable, Nuke's best parts are like when he's giving in to sort of all of Annie's teachings and all of like Crash's lessons. And and then when he's like throwing kind of like a stinker 
And Crash comes out. He's like, what's going on? He's like, oh, my dad's here. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, and I just love that Nuke, he absorbs things very slowly because he's just not like he doesn't he just doesn't think he needs them. And then when it works, it works. And then, yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good pick. Because that was my that it's a good thing you said that because that was my favorite scene in the whole movie. Yeah. Is when he when Crash comes to meet him on the mound and then everybody else starts to join them and be like, well, like what's happening tonight, guys? And he's like, well, my dad's here. And then Jose comes up and he's like, my my glove is cursed. And then everybody else is like, uh, what's his name? Jimmy and Millie are getting married and we don't know what to get them. <laughs> <laughs> and like there's something so lovable about when everything like should be working and yet like something is simple and to just like prove what like boys they are yeah it's like they're not like playing, something so simple has like caused them to like spin out of control they're not playing bad because they're bad athletes they're playing no. bad because they're just not paying attention to the game like their mind it's like you want your mind to be elsewhere so you can kind of get into this like athlete zone but their mind is on things that are so crazy and disparate that they're just like when they finally pull it together it's 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 hilarious uh let's get to skip yep who the actor what is his name uh, Trey Wilson. Trey Wilson, who like tragically died seven months after this yeah. movie premiered. Who I re- remember, I kept looking at his face and being like, where do I know this guy from? He plays Nathan Arizona Sr. in Raising Arizona. Oh. Uh, one of my absolute favorite movies in the whole entire world. So I picked another one of my favorite actors. Orlando Bloom. <laughs> Here it is. You wish. Uh, the same way that today Brian threatened to cast Bill Skarsgård in every <laughs> movie for the next seven months, I'm just going to keep casting Orlando Bloom. I said test me because I will have something yeah. new to say about Bill Skarsgård every time. I picked Brendan Fraser. And I got to put some respect on his name because I feel like we have let him fall to the wayside. We saw him in The Mummy in 1998 and we were like, yes, Brendan, please go have the outstanding career we want you to have and then we did not give him anything and now he's sort of in this place where he deserves more and hollywood just is not serving him good good hands you know what's funny is like i don't hate this it's a it's a good fit i'm like if we if this podcast existed 10 years ago he would be my crash 100 percent, and i think that's really important about skip and larry is like the like these guys are entrenched in baseball just like crashes and i think Crash's nightmare is ending up like Skip mm-hmm. and Larry, which he ultimately kind of does. Yeah. So I get like that. I don't hate it. it. It would be shocking to see Brendan Fraser share a scene with Oscar Isaac. <laughs> it would be like, did Oscar fall or did is Brandon is Brandon coming beautiful up? Beautiful like, <laughs> thing. Because I'm just thinking about that part where like he's so he's like a gruff guy, but so soft spoken. Like when. Uh, what are they talking about? And Crash is like, well, did you tell the guys? And like, well, we told them nicely. And what does that say? Because then he goes to the showers and is like, everybody in here. I, I know what you're talking about. It's like there's some suggestion where it's like he, Crash tells yeah. Skip to kind of go bananas at the team. Yeah. And he throws a bag of bats at them at in them, the shower. In the showers. You lollygag the ball around the infield. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. You know what that makes you, Larry? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers. And I'm just like imagining us getting uh, a very 
subtle performance from Brendan Fraser where you see him like lose it in that moment, but it seems yeah. so uncharacteristic. I, I don't hate it. I, I love Brendan Fraser. It's true. I don't hate it. I, I'm shocked. I'm flabbergasted that I'm saying it, but you know what? I'm, I'm also rooting for Brendan Fraser. So heck yeah. Especially after that article. Yeah. Oh, it was heartbreaking. Um, I picked an actor who is the opposite of Brendan Fraser. Like his star did not spike and peak and then kind of sort of fade. His star is sort of still even plateau. The listeners will not know who I'm talking about. There's Uh-oh. no way the listeners will know who I'm talking about. Uh-oh. But this man has been in, I checked it on IMDb. He's been in 106 projects what? as an actor. His name is Isaiah Whitlock Jr., <laughs> best known for his work on The Wire and most recently Black Klansman as one of the like officers who hires John David Washington to the police force. Mm-hmm. He is just a guy that you're he's 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 a Barry Pepper-esque. You're okay. just like, I know this person. You've definitely seen this guy. And the reason I picked him is because everything I see him in. He is, he delivers a great performance, but he, he, he fits in with his environment so well. Like he, he's always so well cast and he, I think for Skip, that's important. Like Skip and Larry, I just saw as two guys who are just like, they're like, they might as well be the grass on the field. I don't know who he is, but Okay. Look, this is just a shout out to Isaiah Whitlock Jr. And Isaiah Whitlock I swear Jr. to you, after this podcast, those who are listening and to you, Kenna, who are hearing me speak now, yeah, you will see him in like three things in the next two weeks and you'll just be like, oh my God, this guy's in everything. Okay. All right. Well. Here we – I'll let you know how that goes. <laughs> Let's move on to Larry. Larry. Played by Robert Wall. Who's really funny. Who's really funny. Yeah. Arliss. Uh, he's also mm-hmm. in the original Batman movie with mm-hmm. uh, Michael Keaton. I was trying to find a comedian because it had to kind of be a comedian. It had to kind of be like a goofy, a guy who was just like, you know, I'm just here to help Skip. I'm here to like, you yeah. know, make sure that the team, the, the the players, you know, don't kill each other and like alleviate situations. I'm sort of like a right hand man. But I still wanted someone who could like maybe blend in with a baseball team, maybe mm-hmm. like s- someone who was so entrenched with this kind of like minor league culture and I flip flop between a lot of like different character comedian types and I ended up settling on which is bewildering to me but I ended up settling on Rob Delaney from Catastrophe and he has a small part in Deadpool 2 which I haven't seen mm-hmm. um, and his tw- he's like a prolific tweeter yeah he's got a funny Twitter but I kind of like the fact that he could be kind of like the players the players manager he's the guy that like the players yeah. go to who's like he's not he doesn't have any authority over these guys, but he's th- his job is to basically like, you know, yeah, smooth things over and, and still be funny and still have kind of like one-liners. Excuse me, what the hell's going on out here? Well, Nuke's scared because his eyelids are jammed and his old man's here. We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Is that about right? That's right. We're yeah. dealing with a lot of shit. Well, uh... Candlesticks always make a nice gift, and uh, maybe you can find out where she's registered, maybe a place setting, or maybe a silverware pattern. Okay, let's get to Yeah, I, I like him for this, because ultimately he is, he's the sort of hapless guy who, like, when they see the players fighting, it's Skip, who's like, well, 
go do something about it. And he's yeah, like, like, oh, what? that's me. That's on me. And that's just kind of fun. Like, he's just got to be an easy to watch guy. Um, yeah, no, I think I went a similar direction where I just wanted to find somebody who could be funny, who could be who could be that sort of goofy. Because I just kept thinking about him, like, running out onto the mound and being like, what's up, guys? And everybody's like, well, all this, like really weird stuff is happening and he's like well, play settings play I'll settings tell nice. you i'll tell you what to do um and so the person i couldn't get out of my head as like sort of delivering all his little one-liners and and even just like the physical comedy of how like confused he seems to be sometimes um was lamorne morris from new girl oh yeah um yeah that's really great plays winston <laughs> Plays Winston Bishop. Yeah, yeah. He was also in Game Night. He was so funny in Game Night. Very funny. Um, Yeah, he's just, he's a funny guy who I think we could enjoy watching from from all perspectives. No, that's a really great pick. Damn, I'm kind of jealous that you you, you got that one. Um, Let's move on to our, to the PS de resistance. Where does Barry Pepper go? I feel like we might have picked the same guy. Maybe? I feel like this is one of those circumstances where you think we picked the same person and I definitely Okay, let's play a game of three questions. (laughs) Did you put Barry Pepper in a uh, position of authority? Yes. Does Barry Pepper interact with the main character of the movie? Who's the main character? (laughs) Kevin Costner. Crash. I don't think so. Oh, okay. No, we didn't pick the same one. Who'd you pick? I picked Nuke's dad. Oh, that's good. I'd- I don't really have any, like, this was another one of those movies where I was like, oh, there are like three big characters and we squeaked out another two to make it five. <laughs> and now I have to pick another character. Yeah, I forgot that uh, dads are also positions of, like, dads and cops. So dads and cops are bar- where Barry Pepper lives. Dads, cops, soldiers, agents, FBI agents. Did, did you pick a cop? I picked the ump that gets into a fight with oh. Crash. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I called him the cocksucker ump. That when, was the part I really enjoyed when that's the game that um, Millie and Annie are listening to on the uh, on their little boombox. Yeah. And when they when Crash gets kicked out and the announcer is like, frankly, he said a word that is not appropriate <laughs> for this. And they turn it off and Millie's like, called him a cocksucker. Those kind of like really blue and dirty moments really made this movie for me. Like, yeah. like because I think that's kind of what sports are. I think like what, especially baseball when you're just so bored like a lot. Like you have to you have to make your own entertainment during the entertainment and uh, that's why I really liked about this movie. It's not as like clean as say like the natural, which is like this magic, mm-hmm. semi mystical thing. Same with Field of Dreams. It's just mm-hmm. all about like how do how do we build a perfect yeah. baseball field? It's like no, like this is like all these guys are spitting and swearing and fucking around and like they 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 don't care. Like this is just like what they kind of do. And yeah, that moment where he's just like, I didn't call you a cocksucker. I called the call a cocksucker. <laughs> Well, you want me to call you a cocksucker? Go ahead, try you it. want me to try you it. Me call me a cocksucker. Pretty please call me a cocksucker, and you're out of here. You're a cocksucker. You're a cocksucker. Out of here. Shit. Oh, what the fuck is that? And it's all for show because it's just like, yeah, they have nothing else to do. They're literally just waiting <laughs> around to, do. to I swing a stick at a ball. Really loved. I think my second favorite part of the movie was when they go to the field to flood it. Oh uh, yeah, which was a true story. Yeah, like I was like, this is. 
this is what appeals to me about this movie. Um, I also really loved at the end where I can't remember if this is before or after he leaves, but at one point Kevin Costner's like, do you even have a job to Susan Sarandon? And I was like, great question. Can't wait. Can't wait to hear the answer to this one. She's a teacher. She's like, I am a part time teacher at a community college. Right. Yeah. Um, when they go to the batting cages, Mm-hmm. I wrote this down, and this is very sportsy of me, but Susan Sarandon cannot bat for shit. But then Kevin Costner's like gets into the box, yeah. and he has a line of dialogue with her, and then just gives a look and sees a ball, and like nonchalantly just like smashes this ball with one hand. And I was just like, "That is the best piece of acting I've ever seen." Wow! In my life, wow! It's so it's so effortless. No, I it's thought the so same thing where you're watching her sort of like square up to the plate, her and I was like, is like, "What is she doing?" Back is like and then as soon forward. as you see him when she like steps out, just like hit, like not even caring, like he's not even trying that yeah. hard. You're like, "Yeah, what is she trying to teach him?" Okay, let's end on this this little tidbit of information I got from IMDb. Paula Abdul incorrectly believed that in exchange for choreographing Tim Robbins' bar dance moves, she would get a line or two in the movie. When told that no such deal was agreed upon, Abdul, quote, marched off screaming, according to director Ron Shelton. What? So somehow Paula Abdul had, like, a hand in helping make this movie in, like, one little dance scene that I don't even remember her, like, I guess it must have been at the that very first bar scene where he's, like, dancing with everybody on the floor. Yeah. That's weird. Maybe Tim Robbins just can't take Kenneth, would you remake this movie? No. Mm, why not? I think there's a better version of this movie out there. I also just feel like we're sort of in a lull for sports flicks. Yeah. It's just not a – there's just not a market for it. I agree with you. I wouldn't remake this movie because I think this movie is great sort of in the time it exists. Mm-hmm. But I would like to see like a, a more like modern baseball film of, you know – that wasn't like fever pitch or summer summer league yeah, or whatever. That's baseball stupid. movies have a have a are a very specific genre of their own. Yeah, like Moneyball was the last one that was kind of good, but that was all about like the economics of fielding mm-hmm. like a team of. Honestly, remake Field of Dreams. It's probably easier, but like a movie like this, I would really like to see. I just don't know how you would do it. Yeah, it would have to look a little bit different, but. Yeah. All right, guys, thanks for joining us on this episode of The Boot. If you like this episode, please check out our other episodes. Please tell your friends. Please subscribe. Please rate Kenna. Where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just give us a search. You can find us together as this podcast on social media, at The Boot Podcast on Twitter, and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. You can find us separately, because we're playing on different teams, at Flynn B and at Kenna Trent. Guys, thanks for listening, and check us out next week for another Kevin Costner week film. Bye. Good friend of mine used to say, this is a very simple game. You throw the ball, you catch the ball, you hit the ball. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it rains.